Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on what is National Hunting and Fishing Day, and it's a beautiful one in Colorado at that. We're going to have some warm weather the next three or four days, but then we get down to some seasonal temperatures. But you know what? Even though we're getting some warmer temperatures during the day, the nights are getting cooler, the daytime period is shorter, the water is cooling, the animals are moving, things are changing, but in a positive way. You know, we come into spring, we get these cold spells, it kind of pushes things back. It's just the opposite in the fall with almost everything. And we're going to talk about that both from a fishing and a hunting perspective today. A couple things. Next week, we will uh, be preempted by a football game. So we will move over to ESPN 1600. Whenever we get a conflict, uh, the fan has to carry some football games by contract. We move over. Instead of 9 to 11 on the fan, we'll be 10 to noon on ESPN. Because of that, our dog questions, we were going to um, start addressing that next week. We're going to push that out a couple weeks. We still want your questions. Our trainer from Hideaway Kennels, Ben Garcia, wants to take questions. And over the as much time live on the air as we can, we're going to answer those questions. And here's the great thing. Out of the questions that get sent in, one person is going to get in a drawing to win either a Gift certificate for three free oil changes at Prestige Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Longmont, and they have a great service facility, or a $50 gift certificate at Colorado Clays that you can apply towards uh, skeet, trap, shooting some clays, whatever you'd like, and it'll be your choice. So we want your questions, and the way you do the questions, there's a post on Facebook on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Go to that post and put it in the, your question in the comments to that post. Now, if you don't have Facebook, you can email me your question at terrywickstromoutdoors at gmail. So you can email them at terrywickstromoutdoors at gmail, your dog training questions, or you can uh, put them on the post that's on Facebook on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Let's go to the phones right now, though. And joining us from the Colorado Angler, is uh, Andrew Peterson. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great. How's the, how's the weather up where you're at? Well, I'm not up there. <laughs> I had to come down the hill this morning for an event, but it was it's been beautiful. Uh, we're looking at a really nice day today. It was about 30 when I left, but we're supposed to hit 70-ish. So it's beautiful weekend for fishing. Oh, it really is. And I want to talk to you about some of the specific rivers, but bef- and then, but I want to talk about conditions in general. But first, why don't you tell people where your shop is located? Yeah, so we're we're in Silverthorne, and uh, we're just uh, <laughs> south of the interstate when you get off the interchange. So if people are familiar, it's 249 Summit Place um, in Silverthorne there, but it's by the Blue Moon Bakery and Sunshine Cafe. A lot of people stop there on their way to the river and, um, you know, kind of up in the shopping center there. That used to be uh, anchored well years ago by City Market, but then uh, Office Max most recently. So, so we'll we'll give them all the contact information in just a little bit. But you kind of heard me talking about the cooler nights, and we had a very dry, warm 
summer up where you're at that affected the fishing. Are you seeing in general these cooler nights and shorter daytime periods uh, get the fishing going a little bit, the fish a little more active? Yeah, overall, I, I think the last, you know, really the last three weeks, the whole the whole month of September has actually been spectacular. Um, it's it's one of those things where I'm torn uh, as a business owner. I need to be in the office, but as a as a uh, as a guide, I'd rather be on the river. And the days I've spent on the river with with clients this this month have been really nice. It's just. Everything seems to be in good shape. My my floats this week, hell, I was seeing 54, 53, and 54-degree morning water temps that would, you know, barely get up to 60 during the day, and and uh, the fish have responded really well. So um, it's it's been it's been great fishing the last several weeks. Now, you and I did talk earlier, and you did mention that the flows are a little low, so the techniques are really going to come into play, aren't they? Yeah, you know, um, low flows this time of year, um, you know, it's typical for this time of the year, but um, on a year like this where we had, you know, the, the lower snow packs and, uh, and that's the normal, um, it'll, be, it'll be magnified even more. So um, in most spots, the water is going to be slightly below average for this time of the year and it's uh, very clear on the clarity side. So we always tell people, um, you know, their their approach to the water is as important as the pattern they're throwing. And so just, you know, we really encourage people to, you know, kind of approach with a little bit more um, measured measured uh, speed and, and uh, that, you know, kind of, you don't have to belly crawl up to it. But just, you know, as you know, as you get to the river, just take your time and don't rush right into the center of the pool, kind of. You know, fish from the edge first, um, as those fish might be a little bit more sensitive, and and notice the vibration of you waiting on a year like this. Uh, light tippets, kind of the what you need at this time of the year, except maybe when you're streamer fishing. Yeah, and you know, in pre- particularly when you're wade fishing, I would say you know you're looking at on most on most fisheries right now, five x is probably your your starting point. Uh, maybe down to. 6x on some of your tailwaters that are getting a lot of pressure. Um, I'm still I, I I float myself and I'm still throwing some some three and and a lot of four uh, with the float and just to try to save some bugs as we uh, maybe maybe come in contact with uh, non-trout uh, objects in the water. Try to save a few flies without having to row too hard. But uh, yeah, I would say weight fishing, you know, 5X down to 6 and floating. We're still throwing a lot of 3 and 4 to the bugs and then 1s to 2 and 3 on the on the streamers. All right, why don't you take us through a few of the waters you're fishing and give us a little particulars. Well, I would say this time of the year, thanks to um, uh, upstream impoundments that are still uh, running water out west, uh, we do a tremendous amount on the Colorado at this time of the year. Um, they have cut back the releases, so Green Mountain's down under 200 again, and the Williams Fork's down under 100. Um, Muddy Creek's come down as well, but there's still, um, you know, hella Kremlin, I think it's still reading about 670 or 680 cubic feet per second, so you can still float and wade the Colorado from, um, you know, from Kremlin down. Uh, we're doing a lot up there. Uh there's still a few trichos around. Uh, you'll see them later in the morning with these cooling temperatures. Overnight, it takes a little bit. But most of the trichos are waning there. We're seeing uh, the betas fill in real nice. We're still seeing 
Um, you know, you'll see midday, you'll see a lot of kind of late morning to early afternoon, you'll see a lot of the rusty spinners hovering. That that big yellow dun doesn't come off till probably mid-afternoon. Um, and then, um, um, yeah, so just uh, throwing a lot of terrestrial still. If we get clouds, the dry fly fishing has been spectacular. On sunny days like this, probably better off throwing the throwing the subsurface stuff. But uh, if you get clouds, terrestrials of any size. So, you know, a lot of people think terrestrial, they think hopper. Um, but don't overlook the ants and beetles. Um, they give it, they're a smaller profile, less of a meal, and, uh, you know, less, you know, less effort, I guess you'd say, for, for fish to take down. So a lot of times they're, they're a little bit more partial to a small parachute ant. So uh, don't overlook that stuff, too. You know, on the Colorado, this time of the year, everybody thinks streamers for the brown trout, almost like bass fishing up against the shore. Is that starting to happen? Will it be a little subdued this year because of the lower flows? You know, the the color of the fish in the last couple weeks has just really been put, you know, it's like the people from, you know, Technicolor are in charge or something because the browns are really getting colored up. They're starting, you know, with, with the water temperatures turning, the day's getting shorter. They're getting aggressive. Um, I would say that the sun has been the biggest impediment to that. So you'll get guys that will they'll come out with us and they're like, look, I just want to throw a six-inch articulated streamer all day to catch that one fish, and that's great. Um, but um, the cloudy days have been more productive on the streamers, just like the same with the dry flies. But there are days where, um, you know, fish and streamers have been fairly productive. I would say on the sunny days, just focus on water types that are going to pump more oxygen and cover into the river. You know, your, your obviously your riffles, but your pocket water, your 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 deep structure in that, um, you know, heads are rapids, tail outs are rapids, that sort of thing. You know, if you're if you don't have uh, overcast skies, you know, fishing on those those kind of uniformly one foot deep uh, slick flats is probably not going to be the best option for for any method until the clouds roll in. What what are you seeing on some of the other rivers? You know, uh, on the other rivers, that's where you'll notice a little bit more of that low flow. So again, we're going to tell you to concentrate on oxygen pockets and stuff like that, as well as canyon type stretches where the river narrows and gets a little bit deeper channel uh, that'd be the case like on the arkansas this time of year um, a lot of people by us they, they like to fish the public access just south of leadville hayden meadows and that um, that's kind of riffle flat so that's going to be pretty shallow i would just tell them to move downstream find some of the canyon stuff above and below buena vista uh, browns canyon um, that stuff's been good again the bugs are going to be similar everywhere you know the kind of the Trico's wrapping up, but the bait is really filling in uh, is on the aquatic side. Still getting some terrestrial stuff, too, particularly as you get lower on the arc where you may not, you know, we've been we've been below freezing already, which starts to kind of knock the hopper population down. But as you get to those lower elevations, they haven't seen, you know, temperatures under 40 yet, so you still get some good mature hopper populations. But so the arc has been good in those those narrower stretches. Um, we're still seeing some action on the Eagle. The Eagle's getting a fair bit of pressure just, you know, running right on the highway there, and Eagle County's got a good population. So, But the Eagle's still been producing pretty well. Um, and then your tailwaters, uh, the lower blue at, I mean, hell, it was at 168. It kind of bounces a little bit between 160 and 200, but that's a phenomenal wade fishing f- uh, flow for wading into the canyon there below Green Mountain. 
the, the drakes are probably wrapped up pretty well, but you might still see a PMD and the caddis around. Um, you get this flow, you can cross the river, so that opens up additional additional uh, terrain downstream. Um, you know, when you when you can't cross, you kind of only you run out of water at about a mile. But at this flow, you can cross, go down further. So, you know, the canyon below Green Mountain's good. Williams Fork is down to 66 below the dam. That's that's you know I ideally I think it's great at 120 150, but 66 is still for the size of that river. That's a that's a really nice volume in there, and and um, we're hearing good reports back on on the Williams Fork as well. I want you to answer this next question real quick because I don't want to run out of time before we get to your your um your guide service and your schools. Um, yeah. what, have the floods and the mudslides had any effect on the rivers there? You know, we've, we've had a little bit of impact. For us, you know, I, I look at the the upper river on the Colorado, I consider it down to Dotsero. There was some impact, um, I would say, from Pinball down to Dotsero. So that's about 22, 24 miles of water. That's cleared up, and we don't see any negative impact there. Glenwood Cane is another story. There was two spots in particular where the river was completely diked dammed over and the water had to push through it um it's still really dirty downstream um maybe a foot of visibility at glenwood um you know there are some guys fishing that again it's it's pretty um it it's i would say tough conditions in the sense that with the water being so dirty you really have to you have to study the water to find structure in that my concern there will be in the spring if we have a big snowpack i see the i see the lower colorado and that stuff i mean it's Hell, it's only running probably 1,200 through Glenwood Canyon and probably hasn't been over 1,800 since the flood. So when that flow hits seven or 8,000 in the spring, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, migration of that sediment and uh, debris. So, but, uh, right. but upstream, we've been good. Uh, before we run out of time now, I want to know your guide service. Uh, is it both walkwade and float? And you also have a guide school and then Tell people a little bit about the store. Yeah, so we're we're in Silverthorne there. We've got a brick and mortar, you know, with a little over 1,800 patterns. Uh, flies is kind of our, our real focus, flies and information, uh, current current information to get you out today, uh, this week, and, and know where to be. So uh, we have full guide service. We do um, walk and waves as well as floats. With public waiting laws in Colorado being a little more restricted than other states, we we probably do more well more floats than wades, but we we do offer both the blue, the Colorado, Arkansas eagle, you know when the conditions allow the Roaring Fork and that. Um, and so yeah, it's uh, September's as everyone knows a fantastic month, but with this forecast, we'll see good conditions all the way through October, I think. So people should get out and get on the water, um, whether they go with us or on their own and then um yeah we we have one one class left for the year we do a we do three or four um rowing schools some people call want to call them guide schools um i like to not narrow it that much but we do a we do a rowing school we've got one left in a couple weeks here um uh starting the third and um basically it's a week long we're out um we do over 50 hours on the water and I'd say over the years, half and half of the people that have taken that class either want to guide or just want to learn how to row safely and learn how to row for fishing because it is a it's a 
decidedly, you know, uniquely different skill set to row to fish than it is to row to navigate a raft down just for whitewater boating. So um, we still have one of those left. Um, we'll cover everything from, you know, navigation and route selection and all that down to fishing tactics and boat distance and angle and speed and safety stuff. We'll we'll do a Z drag and recover a boat and all that stuff just so people are safe out there as well as informed on best way to fish. Andrew, we are out of time. Tell people how they get a hold of you if they want more information or want to stop by the shop. Yeah, they can stop by the shop. We're at 249 Summit Place in Silverthorne. They can give us a call, 970-513-8055, or shoot us an email or check out the website, which is the, make sure you have the in front of it, thecoloradoangler.com. They can email me direct, Andrew, at thecoloradoangler.com, and we can answer any questions, send them in the right direction, and help them out. All right, my friend, great report. Thanks for joining us this morning. Enjoy your event. All right, sir. You have a good weekend, and uh, we'll see you on the water. All right, thanks. Andrew from uh, The Colorado Angler. Great, great resource. We ran a little over, but we'll make it up. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Jessica King is going to join us, and she's going to talk us to us about diversity in our park system. On Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, 65 years of serving the outdoor public. Let's go to the phones, and I hope patiently waiting is Jessica King. Good morning, Jessica. Hey, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. Sorry we're a little late getting to you, but we will take plenty of time to cover your subject, I promise. Thank um, you. You're at, Staunton. you're at Staunton Park. Why don't you first off tell people where Staunton is located and describe the park just a little bit. Absolutely. Staunton State Park is located up the 285 corridor between Conifer and Bailey off the Schaefer's Crossing exit. It is 4,000 acres of absolute bliss, accompanied by about 35 miles of hiking trail. Um, We offer rock climbing, fishing, hiking, incredible mountain biking trails. Um, And one of our big draws to the park is Elk Falls, which is about an 80-foot sheer fall on the west side of the park. Well, it is a beautiful park, and you guys are always working to improve it. In fact, I think uh, one of the bottlenecks that Staunton has always been parking, you guys are going to make some improvements there, aren't you? Yes, sir. We are adding a new parking lot. We're calling it the Lazy V lot, which is going to have about 175 new parking spaces. It is about three miles closer to Elk Falls. For those of you who do not know, Elk Falls is about an 11-mile round-trip hike, and that parking lot will cut about six of those miles out. Now, you guys have always been about making the park accessible to everybody, and we're going to talk in a minute about an initiative that you're heading and uh, an event you have coming up. But before that, one thing that's always I've always been in love with is the track chair program. Why don't you briefly tell people about that? Absolutely. So the track chair program is an incredible program that we have here at Staunton State Park, the first state park to offer them, um, where essentially we have these mini tanks is what I like to call them. And some of my counterparts like to call them um, that are good for people with disabilities to come out. Um, It really doesn't matter what your disability is. They are 
um, machines that can take you out onto our trails. We do have three pathways that are set out for that. You go out with one or two volunteers, depending on how experienced you are with the track chairs, and you get to enjoy fishing, the ponds, um, being out in our huge um, old-growth Ponderosa stands, or going up Mason Creek to enjoy the Cascades. No, I think it's just the most tremendous program. It gets people out who are physically challenged in some way and lets them enjoy the outdoors. Now, in addition to the physically challenged, you're you're kind of heading an initiative that you want to get people who maybe haven't been serviced maybe as directly by parks or maybe not aware. Um, Tell us what that initiative is. Yeah, so here at Staunton State Park, we have been co-sponsoring climbing events um, as well as different fishing events with organizations that work with affinity groups. And if you um, or the listeners are unaware about affinity groups, they are nonprofit organizations typically that work with people of color, um, women, children, people from marginalized communities in order to introduce them to the outdoors and break down those barriers. All right. And so how do you go about this? Does the park pay for a special event? How, where does the funding come from? Yeah, so um, so far we haven't used a dime of state money. It is entirely volunteer-ran, and we did receive an incredible donation from Black Diamond of about $4,000 worth of climbing gear. And essentially what that does for us is it allows us to have the gear and have the instructors, the professionals that have the know-how to teach these groups that are coming out that have little to no experience in the outdoors um, to really find a way to enjoy and recreate in the outdoors safely. Now you have an event coming up. It's called the DEI Climbing Event, which stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Tell us about that event. Absolutely. So um, it is currently happening right now, and we run a series of them throughout the summer. Uh, So we work with different organizations like Latino Outdoors, Brown Girls Climb, and Colorado High Country Educational Treks. Um, and they come out um, once or twice a month over the course of the summer, and they go fishing, they go hiking, or they go climbing. Today's event is with Colorado High Country Educational Treks, and they are currently rock climbing at the Raven with some of our volunteers and a group of about 15 folks. Now, if people want to get involved in this, whether it's from their organization helping out, or they want to take advantage of bringing people into the park to take advantage, what's the process? So when this all first started out, it was last year when I was an intern, and um, I came to the realization that just because I wasn't um, outrightly barring these organizations or these groups of people from coming into the park, I also wasn't helping them. Getting out into the outdoors and coming into these spaces can be very intimidating, whether you are from a marginalized community or not. The gear is expensive. The know-how is very confusing, and you don't know what you don't know. You know, when you go and you hike 14ers, you know, you don't realize how dangerous the lightning is at first unless you do the research or you have somebody to kind of mentor you into that. Same as, you know, you don't realize how much colder it is up in the mountains and how quickly those temperature swings take place up until you are here and realize that you don't have a jacket. And so essentially what our push is, is to help people from marginalized communities and different affinity groups that haven't felt welcome in the outdoors or are maybe intimidated to get into it. Um, Our push is to make them feel welcome here. And so 
last year when all of this first started coming about, I was just cold calling organizations saying, you know, um, my name is Jessica. I'm a seasonal park ranger. I'm an intern at Staunton State Park. What can Staunton do to serve your organization? And we started working out with Latino Outdoors, who introduced us to Brown Girls Climb. Both of those organizations have been incredible partners for us. And beyond that, you know, from working with those two groups, we have started to get other groups like the Storytellers Project, who um, are they work with um, reformed inmates and gang members um, working to, you know, tell their stories and help them become the people that they want to be at the end of the day, you know, they reached out to us after hearing about our work. Colorado Treks reached out to us after hearing about our work. And so this is really starting to turn into a cascade where this year people are reaching out to us instead of us cold calling them because they know that Staunton staff and Staunton volunteers and Colorado Parks and Wildlife as a whole is open to reforming how we have done things in the past and really opening our doors to them and no longer acting as gatekeepers to the outdoors. Jessica, we are out of time. If people want more information, how do they get a hold of you or get in touch with people in the program? Yeah, so if they want to get involved, they can reach out to an affinity group or nonprofit organization that they are already a part of or aware of. Have them reach out to the park, or they can reach out to me at Staunton State Park directly. They can call the Visitor Center at 303-816-0912 and leave a message for me, and I'm happy to get back to them. They can also email the park at Staunton, spelled S-T-A-U-N-T-O-N dot park, at state.co.us, and they will forward that email on to me, and I'm happy to chat with anyone to get them involved. All right. Thank you so much, Jessica, and thank you for the work you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on today, Terry. You bet. Jessica King from Staunton um, State Park. Great program. Hey, we're going to take a time out. We come back. We're going to talk about something a lot of people don't know about in Colorado, and that's the tarantula migration on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. He got a El Dorado too. He got a 32 gun in his pocket. He died way too young. He was making great music. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They have locations up and down the front range. If you've never been in one, just if you're an outdoor enthusiast, do yourself a favor and stop by and check one out. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from the John Martin area is Jacob Peterson. Good morning, Jacob. Hey, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, sunny and beautiful up here. I imagine it's going to be warm down there today, too. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Definitely going to be in the high 90s today. <laughs> uh, now, we're going to talk about the tarantulas, which, by the way, I think if they were smart, would wait till Halloween so they'd fit in better. But they don't seem to want to do that. But before we get there, um, what everybody's asking, what are the conditions at John Martin? Can you launch a boat? Is the fishing OK? Have you heard much? So it's no secret that it's been a pretty, pretty low water level for the summer. Um, we've actually had to close our west boat ramp earlier this summer because you know, the water was way too low. Now, we still have the east boat ramp open, but that's usually for shallow conditions like this. So if you're coming out here with something with a taller hole like a pontoon or a wake boat, you're you're going to have a hard time launching that. But anything like a smaller fishing boat, something really shallow, that'll be easy to launch as long as you have a truck or something with the high clearance on there. Now, and have, we're not, have they been catching fish? Um, go ahead. 
we're we're not really seeing a whole lot of fish. Um, most anything anyone is catching is going to be catfish, flathead, uh, some white bass, but really not a whole lot of walleye or any largemouth or shad. So, all right. Well, it's a, not the report we want to hear, but we want to be honest with people before they make that trek. But if you're right. looking to go fishing and want a side activity, you got something going on that I didn't even know went on at John Martin. I knew it went on more west of you guys and that's <clears throat> excuse me what's called the tarantula migration but it's not really a migration is it no um we call it a migration because all the tarantulas are going somewhere but you know it's actually centered around the tarantula's mating season so the tarantulas we're talking about are the brown oklahoma brown tarantulas now all the tarantulas out here they're going to be the males and they're all looking for females to mate with for the year. So, like you said, we've definitely seen a lot of them out in, like, La Junta and down in the south Comanche grasslands, but especially this year, we've been seeing a lot more of them coming up around the reservoir. So if anyone is interested, if they're not able to catch any fish, it's definitely something they'll be able to find out here. Now, is there a particular time of the day or a place you should look for them? Yeah, so usually the best time I see them is going to be right around sunset or even just before sunset where it's nice and warm and, you know, the tarantulas are actually willing to go out. And if you're wanting to see a lot of them, you really want to look for something called the tarantula hawk. Now, the tarantula hawk, it's not a hawk, but it's really just a big wasp. So really it's going to be a big blue wasp with bright orange wings You'll definitely want to try and stay away from that a lot more than the tarantula itself because their sting can hurt a lot. But, so you're saying the tarantulas themselves are, I mean, they would hurt, but they're not. You see these tarantulas in the movies are climbing up somebody's chest and they're worried about dying from it. But <clears throat> it's not like that with these, is it? Oh, no, absolutely not. No, these tarantulas, they're on a mission to try and mate. So if they see a person they're not going to pay any attention. Now, it's when you try and pick them up, they might get a little skittish, but they're not known to really bite often. And even if they do bite, it's going to be treated a lot like a bee sting. It's not going to be that harmful to anyone as long as they're not allergic. But So so how long does this go on typically? I mean, is it new to the park or has it been happening all along? and we just haven't heard that it was at John Martin, and how late into the season will this happen? So it doesn't happen a whole lot at John Martin. Usually every year we might see one or two out on the roadways where they're pretty visible. But this year especially we've been seeing a lot. I've maybe seen about a dozen total. I saw one on, on to the way into the park this morning. But, yeah, it's definitely something that's been going on for a lot of September, and it'll usually go on until that first weekend in October, right before that cold season starts up. All right, so we still got time to come see it. Kind of interesting. I know some people are going to go, ooh, but, you know, you you see them from your car. They're not going to attack you, and they're not really fast, I don't think, or maybe they are. So you can (laughs) can get out and look at them. They're not going to, like, run over and bite you, right? Right, yeah, they're definitely not going to try and go after you. Uh, we do advise if you are going to look at them, maybe pull over to a parking lot out of the way of traffic. But, yeah, they're definitely not going to come running up to you 
trying to say hello. You might be able to put your foot out and they might go around it, but they're definitely not going to try and bother you. Well, it sounds like kind of fun unless you have a, maybe a little bit of a fear. You know, a lot of people, spiders uh, yeah. aren't exactly their favorite creature, but it's it just sounds like fun, something different to do that you wouldn't normally do. And you can, and John Martin has trails. You've got the water. You've got camping down there. What a great place to come down and have some fun. Jacob, thanks for joining us and telling us about that. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. That's Jacob Peterson from Parks and Wildlife. That'd be kind of interesting to go down and see the tarantulas. Karen's over here shaking her head saying no, but she'd rather see a tarantula than a snake. And I'm going to admit that I'm probably the other way. I probably could handle a snake better than I handle the tarantula. All right, we're going to take a time out. When we come, Austin Parr is going to join us. We're going to talk fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Discount Fishing Tackle is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. You know, it's going to be warm the next few days, but the nights are getting colder. The daylight period is getting shorter. The water temperatures are finally starting to drop. And I think we're seeing some fish activity changes already. But then in a few days, we're going to get more seasonal weather. And I think things are going to really kick off. Along with that, I know that you went out this week and caught some phenomenal sized walleyes. But what are you seeing and what are your thoughts? I would certainly agree with you, at least with the walleyes, that we're seeing some fall patterns starting to emerge. Uh, These fish are really starting to feed pretty heavily, but as we've mentioned over the last several weeks, we're still dealing with a situation with an absolute, just a huge number of bait fish. And if you're out there trying to feed the fish rather than getting them to react to something, you're going to be struggling quite a bit. But they're definitely starting to go on both Chatfield and Cherry Creek, and, and the numbers are kind of increasing by the day that I've been seeing at least. Well, you know, another thing we talk about, and you and I have covered this, and so have a number of the other uh, contributors on the show, is that during the summer, you might catch 50 walleyes in a day, and the odds are in a Colorado water, you're not going to catch a big one because their habits are so different. They feed at different times. They feed on different bait fish. They're in different locations. So just because you're catching doesn't mean you're going to get a big one. But in spring, which is can be a very spotty bite, They do kind of mingle together, but then again in fall, they kind of come to the same locations to go after those same schools of bait fish, and now you can actually get numbers with the chance of getting a big fish, right? Yeah, this time of year is the time when I am finding at least the most consistent big fish bite myself. Uh, You're catching still numbers of fish. I mean, we're we're in the neighborhood of anywhere from 20 to 30 fish days, which in the fall is, is, it's not summertime numbers, but it's reasonable. And then we're starting to see some big fish. I mean, this last week we had uh, two, two really nice big fish that are pushing that 30 inch mark. Uh, So, I mean, this is a time of year when those jigging wraps and those blade baits that we've talked about for all these different weeks, all are, are coming together for not only numbers, but big fish as well. So why don't you take us through some of the individual waters, maybe Cherry Creek, Chatfield, where they're at, or if you've heard anything about Pueblo. So Cherry Creek, at least to start with, early morning, fish have been pretty shallow, and and that's indicative of this time of year. If you can find fish that are shallow, 
those fish are pretty much going to be biting a lot of times. Now, as the day progresses, I'm starting to move out a little bit deeper. And this last week, we caught fish anywhere from four feet of water down to 19 feet of water, with the main thing being that they need to be up on top of structure in order to be feeding. So we weren't not we weren't catching them on the bases of structure or on the bottom of structure. It's everything has to be up on top. And it just depends upon the depth of that specific structure point. Now, I'm not marking a lot of fish, but I'm going over the areas and finding general fish in an area. And rather than in the summertime when I'm looking for massive piles, I'm looking for areas that have a few fish that we're hoping for additional fish to be moving through. Now, at Chatfield, the same type of situation is occurring. However, we're finding maybe not as many big fish, uh, but definitely some healthy fish as we're uh, probably seeing the best shad spawn that I saw in the last 10 years. Now, those fish are on the roadbeds. They're also on the humps to the north and to the south of the road. Um, and then also out in front of the marina area, there aren't very many in the no wake zone, however, at the moment. Uh, the majority of the fish I've been catching have been to the halfway point and north. And so, and it, this should continue and should even get better. It will change a little bit. You'll probably lose some of those shallow fish as the water gets yep. colder, I would think. But I think it's going to change, but it's going to get actually better, right? I would agree. I would agree. And especially at places like Chatfield where you have good deep water depth for those fish to be dropping into and still be up on top of structure, a lot of times you can find those fish concentrated out in that 20 to 35-foot range out toward the tower area. And they have not been out there yet with the water temperature still being pretty high. Still seeing about 70 degrees in the afternoons at the moment. So we still have a ways to go there. But at, with this warmer water temperature and still cooler nights, these fish are really starting to feed pretty heavily right now. And, and it's a great opportunity uh, at the moment and then also as we move into the fall here. And as we move into the fall, the water is going to cool dramatically. The bait fish are going to get stressed. And you're going to see not only walleyes, but smallmouth, wipers, even crappies uh, are going to congregate under these stress schools of bait fish and it becomes a smorgasbord for them and it can be some of the best fishing of of the entire year uh pueblo is notoriously good so is uh lake mcconaughey out in nebraska so is glendo yep. up in wyoming but so are the lakes right here in the metro area up and down the front range so there's a lot to come the one question i have for you and then i want to move on to some other things though is you know, last year we had a really early freeze in early September, and then it got warmer again, and we all thought, and the water temperatures dropped dramatically. This year we haven't had any extended cold weather or deep diving cold freezes. I'm wondering if we're going to all of a sudden get cold and what that's going to do to the fishing. Any thoughts? You know, it's always a situation where every year is a little bit different, and we like to think we know exactly what's going to be going on. But every year with the the different times, it, it varies a little bit. But in general, with that heavy cold snap, when you start seeing that water temperature drop, you get a situation where the fish will really try to, as people say, put the feet back on. And you can catch a lot of a lot of big fish during that point. Now, I do want to kind of make mention that with some of these big fish, they become vulnerable this time of year, and especially at lakes like Chatfield and Cherry Creek, which are our broodstock lakes. It's really important to be putting some of those big fish back and keep your smaller slot size fish. But I would be anticipating uh, an increased bite on both the blade baits and the jigging wraps with a hard cold snap coming up. I would too. Another thing I would watch for there be there will be a turning point, no pun intended, when these lakes will turn over. And you'll see this bite start to take off. Then all of a sudden, the fish will disperse, and it'll be really weird. But within a matter of a few days, 
But I think we're a ways away because we've been so warm from those lakes turning over. Before we run out of time, though, I want to talk about another opportunity that's starting up now that's one of my favorite, and that's going after the the spawning kokanee in our river systems, both with a not and not necessarily snagging. I know people like to do that and it's allowed, but I like going after them with either just a conventional rod and reel or even better a fly rod. You can have so much fun. What are you yeah, hearing? So we're starting to, yeah, we're hearing some good stuff. Uh, the Gunnison River up above Blue Mesa has been loaded up with salmon now for a week and a half or so, and they're in really good shape up there right now. They're not rotting at all at this point, but they're beautiful crimson red. And when they're up there spawning like that, something to take into consideration is that they're not feeding. They are up there purely spawning and, and eventually going to be dying. So you have to really irritate them with uh, something bright and, and colorful a lot of times. So if I'm fly fishing, I'm going to put big bright egg fly on. A lot of times a clown egg can be really worthwhile with a multicolored type situation, followed by a sparkle worm or a bright pink or orange or red San Juan worm. Now, on the conventional side of things, a lot of times I break out some ice fishing tactics, even in the river, where I'll use a slip float and then either trailing flies, but then I like to run small tube jigs down below that slip bobber and drifting through those holes and that can be an also a very effective way to go and even offer a bit of movement as you walk through those holes with that bobber you can give it a little twitch here and there and those salmon just get driven crazy by something like an atomic tube from berkeley and you know you can almost there's different rivers and areas throughout the state where they seem to happen at different times and if you kind of research a little bit and plan it you can go from now well into november and take advantage of this and it is fun. Now, in the places where you can keep them, uh, they're great smoke. They're, and they'll even do giveaways. You'll see where they're gathering the spawn and giving away fish if you just want to go and get some. But another thing that uh, if you're in a river that's catch and release, it, that's because not because they're worried about the salmon, but they don't want you keeping anything. Uh, so some places will be catch and release. But when you're in those areas, especially if you're a fly fisherman, I like to put a salmon egg pattern or even a different nymph on in addition to what I'm throwing for the kokanee because there's going to be trout in eating those eggs, and I've caught some wonderful browns and rainbows when I've been fly fishing for the kokanee. Oh, yeah, and I'm hearing some really great brown trout coming out of Blue Mesa right now, and those trout will be sitting a lot of times in the same general areas as those kokanees are, and they're up there spawning as well. And uh, you can have some great success, as you mentioned, on that or throwing some bigger streamers. Uh, below those kokanees, and you can pick up big rainbows and big browns that are sitting below the, the holes that are stacked with the salmon. All right, we got about a minute and a half left. What are some of the other bites you're hearing or other things going on? So shifting back to Chapfield just real quick, there's a lot of panfish that are piled up on the same structure that we're seeing for uh, the, with the walleyes. And bluegills and perch are heavily stacked on some of those spots. And catching them on little ice digs or even just basic crawler rigs or small blade baits have been really effective out there, and that's something that I like a lot. Uh, up at Wolford Mountain Reservoir, we're hearing back to the Coconies that uh, it's, it's early for the spawn up shallow, but people are really whacking them out vertical jigging in deep water, so that's something to really consider. And then also with the walleyes again, heading up to Glendo, the, the bite is, is on fire for big fish at Glendo. So if you want to go and do a nice slab spooning vertical jigging bite, similar to what we're talking about at Chapter and Fridge Creek, with the opportunities of really big fish, that is a very worthwhile choice with not only jigging spoons, jigging wraps and blade baits, but also shiver minnows. Uh, it just sounds like a, just there's a great opportunity. And the one thing I want to tell people, I want to reinforce the fact that as the weather changes and we get these longer, cooler nights, even when we get these warm days, 
It affects the fish and the entire animal kingdom. Things change. It's a beautiful time to be outdoors. The weather's typically stable. Sure, we get a storm that comes through. But the animal behavior actually picks up. And really, they, they, everybody knows winter is coming. And whether you're a fisherman or a hunter, this is the time to be outdoors. And if you're an angler, and like yourself and myself, a lot of us hunt too, you, you're going to find that a lot of people have put their fishing gear away and they're just hunting, that a lot of Absolutely. people are going to be home watching a football game. You can have some of the best outdoor activities of the year and not be crowded, right? Yep, especially with what we've been seeing with all this COVID over the last year and a half here with the crazy crowds everywhere. Right now is a great time to get out and have some solitude. All right, real quick, if people want to get a hold of you for more information, where do they find you? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Terry. You bet. Austin Parr, always a great resource. We'll take a quick time out. We come back. Nate Zelinski will join us, and we're going to talk hunting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.